Go, Jay. Jay, you have seriously raised the bar there for notices. No pressure for anybody else who's planning to do notices. That was impressive. I like that a lot. Uh, thank you. Well, you know, <coughs> excuse me, it's good to be here. Um, as I said at the start of the service, I have been away uh, ill. I have suffered with a, a chest infection type thing and my asthma, and uh, I've been on a ton of medication, still am. Um, but I just want to say thank you for all of your prayers. Many have messaged me and prayed for me. I really do appreciate that. Um, and um, yeah, but it is good to be back. I'm almost there. If I start coughing and spluttering, don't don't worry, I will be fine. But I have to say, um, I should go away more often, quite frankly, because you guys have been having an amazing time without me. Uh, just so blessed to see what the Lord's been doing in His church as He builds His church and you know I have to say just really loving the love series um excuse me you're supposed to laugh at that joke that was pretty pathetic (laughs) but uh you know I launched the love series a few weeks ago uh and I kicked it off and the title of the talk was in pursuit of love and I talked about the the world's love with love and and actually looked at what does it really mean to love? What is the type of love that we can experience with God and that we are called to love one another? And we kind of looked at that. And then following that, as a way of recap, Emma Blustin just did a phenomenal talk on forgiveness and reconciliation. I have to say, genuinely, I think that's one of the best talks on forgiveness I've ever heard. Just, um, just really unpack what is forgiveness. It is a real hot potato for so many of us, isn't it? But I think Emma did just a superb job talking about the sacrifice of forgiveness and what that looks like. But equally, talked about the fact that forgiveness isn't the destination, it's an opportunity to walk into reconciliation. And indeed, that's why Jesus died on the cross, that we're forgiven in order that we can be reconciled with God. And if you missed that catch up, the week after that, our wonderful Chris Birch Evans, who heads up Step, and, uh, and he and his wife and family, a member of our church, members of our church, did a fantastic talk. And, and I loved the way Chris looked at it, which is, you know, from the outside in, many would think that the purpose of the church is just activity, just doing stuff. And of course, we have a role to play, and, and isn't it amazing what we do at the care centre in so many other ways? But actually, it's a, it's, it's, <laughs> let's not forget the point about it, which is relationship with God and with one another. And that was just a really fantastic talk, Chris. Thank you. So, and bless you, you jumped up in the, in the final moment when I said, I'm sorry, Chris, I can't make Sunday. Please talk for me. And so thank you for that. And then last week, the wonderful John and Andrea, uh, again, I, I kind of spoke with them on, I think, the Thursday before, because I was always hoping I'd make it. So please, can you talk for me? Because... And I love the way God has orchestrated this love series. Thank you, Lord. And they just gave a phenomenal talk on um, the call to relational growth, how we can grow in our relationships with one another. And uh, just so blessed by that. And uh, I'm going to plug their book. They wouldn't do it, bless them, but I want to do it. This is their book called The Four Habits of All Successful Relationships. This is a phenomenal book. Uh, you know, these guys uh, are kind of, I would, I'm going to say, world leaders in this space. I mean, their TED Talk is millions. Um, they, they work with large corporates who bring them in in terms of how they can support their executive teams, leadership teams in this. And they have a real heart for relationships. Um, and, you know, John and Andrew have kindly given us five free copies of this book. Ah. And they are all signed with a message. So... Uh, This is the bit where you get freebies. How cool is that? So what we're going to do is we'll retain two of these. If you're online, you get a chance to get one of these. Put your hand up in the chat quickly. There you go. Mel is going to be 
uh, online, she's put her hand up. She is now looking at those comments. We will send you out. But we, all that means, therefore, that we have how many left in the room? Well done, you're paying attention. We have three in the room. So this is going to be interesting. Have we got three there, Trevor? This is going to be interesting. This is going to be a bit messy. Who would like one of these books? Oh, Trevor, right over to you. <laughs> How is Trevor? Lord, I just pray for discernment from my brother. <laughs> Spirit of discernment come upon him in Jesus' name. There you go. I give Trevor the hard jobs. I do the easy bit. There we go. Darling, can I have my water, please? There we go. While Trevor's... Oh, wow, people are shouting for it. This is good. Um, while, while Trevor's doing that, you can, if you have the money to buy this, go on their website, thefourhabits.com forward slash book. Uh, you can get it in Waterstones, all good bookshops, and on Amazon as well. Uh, well, oh, look at that. Well done, Trevor. Let's give a hand for Trevor, because... Bless you, man. Yeah. It wasn't that difficult. You made it look easy, that's why. Um, so, yeah, just so blessed by that. And uh, it's worth saying um, that, you know, Andrea serves as one of our trustees as well. You may not know, that wasn't mentioned last week, but so grateful for her leadership and indeed all the trustees as we seek to build God's church. All right, well, it comes to, to me now to have to follow up on those amazing thoughts. No pressure. Um, so what I'm going to do is pray. That's always a good start. And then we're going to look at what God has placed on my heart for us this week. So why don't we just close our eyes and uh, let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for what you're doing in us and through us as a people in this season. Lord, it is just so exciting to see you moving. It is exciting, Lord, when you speak to us so clearly. And you are speaking to us as a people so clearly about love. Not of this world not the crude, rude, self-centered love that we see splashed on our TV screens and in our papers and magazines, but a love which puts others first, a love which seeks the best of others, a love, Lord, which comes from you, that agape love as we looked at in the first week. Lord, I just pray that as I speak this morning, you would just help us focus. Lord, I pray that all the distractions of the week would fall away. And Lord, would you just prepare our hearts for what you have to say, Lord, for us? And I pray this knowing, Lord, that your word says that your word would accomplish that which it is set forth to do, that it will bear fruit for your glory, and that we can expect, Lord, that when we leave this building, we will leave different than when we came in. Because otherwise, what's the point, quite frankly? But we know that your truth brings freedom and it brings life. And I pray that for this time together, in your precious name, amen. Amen. Well, you know, talking about love, I came in after being off for two weeks, and look what I found in my tray at work. It is dairy milk. I love dairy milk. And uh, do you know what it says on there? There's a sticker. Do you know what? Shall I read it? Do, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Well, I, I wasn't sure whether this was a direct message to me <laughs> or, or an encouragement, an exhortation, but I'll carry on. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in each other. That's Romans 12, 9 to 10. And I'm going to embarrass Yvonne because she's here, but Yvonne, bless her, put this on every single staff member's tray. Isn't that beautiful? Actually, when I got this out of my tray this morning, Richard said, wow, I'm surprised that's still there. (laughs) People are scared to go near the senior pastor's tray. 
Not because I'm nasty. They, they, they don't want my workload, and I don't blame them, quite frankly. But anyway, thank you for that, everyone. I will enjoy that. But isn't that so great? Romans 12, 9, don't just pretend to love others. I kind of read that, and I'm like, you know what? To be fair, if I'm honest, we're in a safe place, right? I think I can pretend to love others sometimes. It's like, Lord, what does an authentic love look like? I mean, that's what we're called to do, aren't we? To love authentically. And the only way that you can really love authentically is if you really experience the love of God authentically. And the only way you can really experience the love of God authentically is if you're authentic with God. Shall I say that again? The only way you can love authentically is if you experience the love of God authentically. And the only way you can experience the love of God authentically is if you're authentic with God. And that means you need to be real. That means you need to be open. That means you need to be brave enough to take off the mask of religion and performance and say, here I am, Lord, take me as I am. I need you. I think that's a clarion call of our time to be authentic. That is the clarion call. That is what society is looking for because a lot of things are not authentic in this world. That's not on my notes, but I thought that was rather good, so I went with it. But let us be authentic if we choose not to pretend to love others. Now, as I was thinking about um, this talk, actually, I'm going to speak around a subject that I spoke to our leaders at our leaders meeting about three weeks ago before I got sick. And I was really um, spending time with the Lord saying, Lord, what what, what word have you got for us as a church? What, what, What do you want us to hear in this season? And I felt the Lord give me this word. He said this specifically. And this is to us as a church. This is your moment to shine. Not by your activity, but by your love. God is saying to us people, this is your moment to shine. Not by your activity, but by your love. And as the Lord told me that, he directed me to Corinthians, which is where we're going to look at this morning. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians uh, 12 and 13. But before I do, I want to give some context to this letter because it's really very important in terms of framing why this message is so important for us today. You see, the church in in Corinth was pretty similar to us. Paul, in his ministry Uh, missionary trips had founded the church in Corinth. He was with them for about 18 months. And he moved on and he got some reports about the church. And this letter is in response to the reports that he received. Now you've got to understand, you see, Corinth, the place of Corinth was a a very diverse, bustling, metropolitan type of place, very rich, very wealthy in artistry, um, very diverse, as I said, There was a lot of material wealth, a lot of sexual immorality in pagan ways. And I would suggest that in many ways, not too dissimilar to the 21st century here in Hertfordshire, to be honest. And so what happened was, you see, that the church was growing. It was successful. It was operating in all the gifts. And from the outside in, it looked like a really successful church. They were busy. They were doing stuff. They were growing. But the report came back to the Apostle Paul who was in Ephesus saying, you've got a problem. There's a problem at the church in Corinth. There's there's disunity. There is sexual immorality. 
and they are not relating to each other in love. In fact, if you read the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, you can unpack more than 10 issues that the church had. And so 1 Corinthians, as you read it, read it in that context, which is is a, a letter of correction around this is the type of church God is calling us and you to be. And it is in that context that I feel the Lord is speaking to us as a church. There are moments in the life of churches where God comes with a very direct, encouraging and correcting word. Why? Because he he loves us, he loves what we're doing, he wants to use us more, but God is just using this season in the love series just to point us a little bit more in, in the direction he wants to take us. And so with that, I want to read uh, 1 Corinthians. Turn with me, if you will, to chapter 12. And we're going to start at verse 27. Um, It'll be on the screen uh, in the room. And if you're online, it will be on your device that you're watching on. And we're going to read from, as I said, chapter 12, verse 27. Let me read this. So this is in the context of um, many uh, spiritual gifts. And Paul says this, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? In other words, we, as we operate in the gifts, are a diverse bunch. Just as my body needs these eyes as well as this nose and these ears, so God needs different people. You know, there's unity in diversity. And and John and Andrew talked about that last week. And so what Paul is saying is, you know what, this is great. This is a mark of the Lord working in you because you are the members of one body, but you have different roles. And then he says this, but just earnestly desire the higher gifts. Now, what on earth does that mean? Well, in order to understand that, you need to read chapter 14, but to save you jumping ahead, the summary is the higher gifts are those that are designed to build up the body of Christ. The higher gifts are those that are designed to build up the body of Christ. And that's what Paul is saying here. Now, you get to the end of this section, and as I said, giving you the context that I had, Paul is is encouraging them and affirming them that indeed they are walking in all the gifts. They're seeing amazing things happen at their church. They're growing. They're doing great things, full of activity. They're operating all the gifts. Now, by modern standards, if I'm honest, you would get to this point and say, great, fantastic, thank you. We're doing good, church. Well done. We're busy. We're operating the gifts. And as charismatics, we absolutely believe, don't we? In the gifts of the Spirit, God has given us that toolbox, as we like to call it, to be his hands and feet as we extend God's kingdom here on earth. Our kingdom theology informs what we do and how we do it, which is that we extend the kingdom of Jesus here, right? But Paul doesn't stop there. We get to what I think is one of the most startling of lines in the scripture and he says this and and in some translations it's but and in other translations it's and yet I will show you still a more excellent way 
What? Whoa, 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 hold the phone, please, Paul. We're doing everything so well. We're feeding the poor. We're worshipping. I mean, the worship's amazing. (coughs) Excuse me. You know, we're growing. You should see what we're doing online, Paul. We've got this thing called YouTube now. Some guy in Silicon Corinth slash Valley did it. It's brilliant. Paul's like, you know what, guys? I've got to be honest with you. That's great, but there is a more excellent way. And I believe this is what the Lord is going to speak, is speaking to us now as a church. Are you ready to listen, church? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, wow, but have not love, I gain nothing. I mean, I haven't even done any of that, quite frankly. I don't know all the mysteries of the universe. I can't remove mountains. And uh, clearly, my body hasn't been burned. But even if you achieve all this, Paul is saying, you know what? It doesn't mean anything. If you don't have love, forget it. It's worthless. If you don't have love, quite frankly, if we don't have love in this church, we might as well close the doors. And go home, what's the point? We haven't created, you know, when Chris and Fliss founded this church 30 years ago, they didn't found it to create a social club. There are plenty of those around, and they're brilliant. We are a church. We are called to love one another and the world outside us. Quite frankly, I might as well pack my bags, and so will you, and close these doors if we do not have love. Paul goes on. I hope you're still comfortable. And then we get to what is such a beautiful passage of Scripture, which many have in their wedding. I think we had in our wedding. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. And it goes on. So now faith, hope and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I am so challenged by the definition of love. I read it out on the first week as we looked about the pursuit of love. Because that is the criteria by which the Lord looks at us and says, are you a church who loves Are you a church who is patient with one another and kind? 
Are you a church that does not envy one another or boast to each other? Are you a church that is not arrogant or rude and crude? Are you a church that doesn't insist on your own way, is not irritable or resentful? Are you a church that doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth? Are you a church which bears all things? Are you a church which believes me in all things and is obedient to me? That is what it means to love. And you know what? You might hear this and go, Mark, hold the phone. Wow. I feel like you're just beating me over the head. I was coming here for some fun and yeah, you give me this strong word. Well, I'm not going to apologize because in this word is freedom and in truth. Listen, if we're committed, if we're committed to following the call of God in our lives, then we need to be committed to what he says in his word. You know, it says, once again, I think John Andrew said this last week, narrow is the way. Narrow is the way. And so what I want to do in the short time remaining, as way, that was an introduction, is I just want to touch on those three things of, of the greatest command. And I'll invite Steph up in a moment just to share a story that I hope will encourage you all. And, you know, we looked at Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, which, you know, the, the scribes are trying to trick Jesus in terms of, okay, Jesus, what's the greatest command? And Jesus said, you know, the greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. There it is. That sums it all up, quite frankly. You know, being a Christian is not complex. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's not, different. It's not complex. I, I don't know anything as simple as the gospel. And you know what? Over the next few weeks, I'm really excited um, to unpack this further. We've got the wonderful Wendy Houston who's going to speak with us about loving Jesus and, and seeing him face to face. I've also got Trevor, who heads up our pastoral care, is going to talk about what does it mean to love yourself? Isn't it interesting that it says love your neighbour as yourself? We need to know how we love ourselves. I'm really excited, looking forward to that. And the following week, Mel as well, our pastoral assistant, we're going to unpack that further. I think that's going to be really fantastic. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up in this love series. And so what I'm doing midway point is just trying to get us focused on why we're talking about love and just set the scene for the next few weeks. So let's look at that. What does it mean then to love God? It means that we continue to walk out the call of holiness. Holiness is uh, an unpopular word in the 21st century. It just means being set apart for him. It means being pure for him. Now, the thing about holiness, guys, is that um, we are made holy in his sight because of the righteousness of Jesus, which is given to us, right? So when God looks at us, he looks at us holy. But in addition to that legal standing, that legal position, if you like, that justification, we are to walk in it. That's why the Apostle Paul says, "On put on clothes of righteousness. There's something we have to be committed to, committed to leaving a holy life set apart for him, being set out of this world. And so the challenge for each one of us as we say, yeah, I want to love God, is are we making a choice to walk in righteousness, to walk in what I've just read there and how we love one another? That is the call for us. And you know, in the scriptures, Paul in, in the book of Ephesians really looks at our relationship with Jesus as he does with a, with a husband and wife, with the, bride of, with the bride, and says, you know, we are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We're not into religion. Religion gives you a list of to-dos. We're into relationship, which comes out of love. 
And so the challenge for you is if you say, Mark, yeah, I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with my whole soul and with my mind, that's great. Let me ask you a question. How's your relationship going with God? How does your week look like with Jesus? Now, my beautiful wife, we've been married 17 years in November. And imagine if I said on Sunday, darling, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. I really need you and want you and blah, 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 blah. And then on Monday, I woke up and I just kind of just ignored her and walked away. Tuesday, didn't say anything. Wednesday was flirting with other women. Don't take that out of context. You need to listen to the whole talk. That's not what I'm saying I do. (laughs) In this world of YouTube, someone could quite easily slice and dice that, so I've got to be very careful. (laughs) But you get my point. Wednesday. Thank you. Thursday. (laughs) I'm glad someone's paying attention. Thank you, darling. Glad you're correcting me as always. Um, Friday came. Saturday. Sunday, darling, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. What? Say what? Where have you been for the past six days? What's true in that example is true with God. Listen, are you signing up to a religion or you're giving your heart to a relationship? That is my question for you this morning. If there's one thing you take out of this, take out that. Have you signed up for a religion of acts and, and, and service or have you given your heart in love to God and relationship? Because that's what it means to be a Christian. This is not, a, this is not about performance. It's not about a checkbox. If I had a list of five things I needed to do for Steph every week and I ticked them off by Tuesday and I said, well, I'm done now, and I didn't, and ignored Steph until Sunday, then that's just not going to work, is it? Now, people might look at me from the outside. He is a great husband. Have you seen that garden? Those stripes are impressive. I walk into that kitchen and there's no washing anywhere. There's flowers every week that he provides. He is the best husband I've ever seen. You get my point? That is the difference between religion and relationship. And we are called to have relationship with God. We're called to be set apart for him. We're called to be the bride of Christ. We can't have our feet in both camps. You know, I would say one of the most um, challenging verses, I'm going to just throw them out because I know you love them. This is really going to get you wondering. Are you ready? 1 John 2.15. This will blow your mind in a good way. Do not love the world or the things of the world. Now, when John says the world, he means the world's systems, the sin in this world, the fallen nature, the depravity, all of that stuff. Do not love the world, you know, the the bitterness and the resentfulness and the unforgiveness and the covetousness and the envy and the strife and the greed. Do not love the world or the things of the world. Now, listen to this. Get your head around this. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Mm, that is some strong meat. You're telling me, Paul, John, you're being that specific with me, saying that if I love this world, and when I say love, I don't mean that we're tempted by it. I don't mean that we find we dip into it. I don't mean either. I'm saying if you love the world, that that is your pursuit. If If the world is your pursuit and the relationship with Jesus goes secondary, if that is you, then John is quite frankly, and this is not me saying it's the Bible, then the love of the Father is not in you. And I find that a shocking statement. Because that is a statement that gets right to the nub of relationship. That is a statement that dissects between religion and relationship. We can't look on the outside like we love God 
and yet we're in love with this world and we pursue it. And listen, we are, and I know I say this a lot, but it's important. We have, the past 50 years, as God's church, we have lost this notion. When the world became wealthy and affluent, we lost this, but we're here for a moment. It says in James, we are but a vapour. We're going to be spending eternity with him and God is getting his bride ready. The father is getting the bride ready for his son for the marriage supper of the lamb. And I, you know, I remember when we got married and I've seen the video afterwards because the videographer went to Steph where she was getting ready and with bridesmaids and she was making herself look beautiful. She absolutely was beautiful and still is. But are we like that with Jesus? Are we getting ourselves beautiful for him? Are we, are we cleansing our heart of unforgiveness? Are we speaking of Jesus to others? Are we, are we getting ourselves ready like a bride would? Because if you read the parable of the virgins, the 10 virgins, the, the Jesus comes and five are asleep and that oil they've let empty. The other five were ready. They had oil in their lamp. What is oil? It's praying. It's worshiping. It's allowing the spirit of God in you. It's relationship. And so the question is for us, are we ready for the bride of Christ? Are we ready for Jesus? Are we preparing ourselves? Do we really love him or are we in love with the world? And let me just say there's fruit and freedom in this. If you can get past the, ooh, steady and get into the, there's something here and say, Lord, I just make a commitment now to walk in that. Then let me just tell you, friends, there is freedom and joy and peace right in that place. It's a place that if you say I'm a Christian, we should all be looking to walk in. I went off on a tangent, but that's fine. That's good. Love one another. That's the second thing. We're going to look at that um, over the next few weeks. Can I just say this? If we can't love one another here, how can we love people out there? You know, Jesus says in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And can I just say this as well? We can't love one another if you're not with one another. I just want to say this, and I say this sensitively because I know many people are watching online and catch up, and I think that is really helpful. It gives us an extended reach. People can uh, find us online, and bless you if you found us online. Many people in the building have done so through online. And I think life is busy. We can't always get to church. And isn't it amazing that we get an opportunity to catch up during the week or on a Sunday we can watch it? I think that's great. But can I just say this? If you think that is church in itself, then you missed out what church is. Church is not watching it online. Church is not a smorgasbord of social media content. Church is not a curated playlist of a worship set from somewhere else, a talk from here and something from somewhere else. That's not church. So if you're at home, bless you, <laughs> and you feel convicted, that's Holy Spirit, not me, then come, come back. But listen, seriously. It says in Hebrews 10, 25, do not give up meeting together, even more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you, the day is approaching. Listen, it's, the enemy is coming with so many lies at the moment. You don't really need to go back. Look how much more time you have. You can do all the sport you want to do on Sunday morning and get to church in the afternoon on your laptop. You've just changed the definition of church. Church is, what did Paul say? Members of one body. You can't say, yeah, I want to love one another, but I'll do it from the comfort of my lounge room. Because loving one another is being here with someone when they need prayer and praying with them. Being, loving one another is serving somebody a coffee or a drink and asking, how's your week been? 
Loving one another is, is, is working with the kids' work or you. That's what it means to love one another. And so I want to say in this season, listen, for some of you, you don't feel comfortable coming back. I get that. It's great. Bless you. And for some of you, health-wise, I can see why that's a reason. Yeah, absolutely. For some of you, as I said, you know, you're a bit of a hybrid. You're here sometimes and, and sometimes you're not able. That's great too. But I'm saying this clearly and specifically as your leader. If you have come up with a new definition of church, which is I don't need to be here, then you are wrong. Okay. I've got a book called How to Preach, and chapter two is Don't End on a Downer. No, I'm joking. Right, I'm going to end on Steph, actually. Um, Darling, can you come up? I haven't followed my notes at all, which is fine. Dan, I'm going to invite you up. Now, we were talking last week about loving one another. We were. And what I love about my wife is many things, but one of them is that she is so bold and courageous when speaking to people. Me, I find it difficult. Even though you could say, but Mark, you're a pastor. You could say, hello, I'm a pastor. Yes, that does help. I'm not going to lie to you. But still, I, I get I'm a bit of an introvert. What? Yeah, yeah, I'm an introvert. I'm fine in front of hundreds of people, but get me in a room with one person and I get nervous. Um, but my wife is the opposite. She loves speaking with people. And you were sharing one of your many stories that you do. And I said, you know what? I think that will really encourage people yeah. and give people a practical idea of how we can love people outside because we are called to love our neighbour. That's just not your neighbour next door or your opposite. It's even your enemies. So do you want to share that story, darling? Yes. I mean, I think it happens to be quite often, doesn't it? Mm. But um, I, when, I'm, when I'm out and about, I often ask the Lord... You know, is there someone you want me to speak to? Or, you know, this day I was with my daughter Ellie, we were in McDonald's, and this lady came in, I think it was with her dad, and we sort of looked at each other, and I just felt a bit of a prompting in my spirit, just left it, sat down, was eating with Ellie, we were having a lovely little chat, and she came over and she said, Sharon. And I said, No, I'm I'm not Sharon. She said, "Um, Oh, I'm so sorry. She said, "I, I, I thought I knew you. And then she started to get tearful, and I immediately felt the Holy Spirit just sort of leap inside and she said oh and then she started to the tears started to come and she said I had a, a stroke and I've lost some of my memory and I meet people and I think I know them but I don't mm. and so I just said to her and I just felt the Lord and I said I need to hug this woman and I said to her I know I don't know you but can I just hug you can I hold you and she said I'd love you too <laughs> so we're in McDonald's and she's crying and I'm hugging her and I just said you know what the Lord loves you and you know what the Lord sees you and I said the Lord says he repays the years and I said and I really feel the Lord has brought you to me today and you recognize his spirit in me mm. just as I recognized his hand on you um, so I just want to inc- I don't know if she's even here but I invited her to the church maybe she's online but um it was a wonderful moment because I loved her with a love I knew was not my own. Mm. It was the Lord loving me, her through me. I just felt the Lord's love for her and it was a really precious moment and the Lord touched her and he touched me. But as we left, it was a lovely moment and I do believe the Lord is doing a great mm. and will do a great work in her. Yeah, amen. I just love that story. Mm. Oh yeah, let's encourage Steph. I'll just invite you all to stand mm. as, I, as I end and as we just have some time of worship. This is what the Lord is saying to us as a church right now. This is your moment to shine. Not by your activity. Not that that is bad. Paul affirmed the church in Corinth and God affirms us. 
But you're going to shine not because of your activity, Thank but you, because Lord. of your love. Let me pray before mm. we worship. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, let us take this call to love seriously. And would it start with each one of us individually? Would it start in relationship with you? Lord, I pray that we would be a people that is so in love with you, mm. that doesn't just spend time with you on Sunday, but spends time with you every day, mm. that keeps our oil burning, mm. that our lamps are light. Mm. Lord, would we be set apart for you? Would we be a people that are holy? Would we take the call to righteousness seriously? Would we move away from covetousness and envy and boasting and crudity? Would we walk away from the love of this world and would we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith and the lover of our soul? Thank you, Jesus. Knowing that as we do, there's going to be so much fruit that comes, a new season of relationship, a new overflowing of love for others as we experience the authentic love of Jesus in our hearts. And if that's you and you want to respond to that word, just put your hand on your heart, just as a symbolic act to say, Lord, that's me, I respond now. Don't worry about other people. No one can see you. Everyone's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. If you want to respond to this word and say, yes, Lord, I want to fall in love with you again. Maybe you know that you've got a bit rusty and a bit cobwebby and you just feel the love of Jesus just drawing you close. Why don't you just pray? Lord, I pray for everyone that's responded, Lord, that this would mark today the season, a new season of love with you and with one another and with a world that needs you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.